0: And the welcoming aspect of the table where Christ is saying, come and sit with me and dine with me. And though we live in a broken world, Psalm 78 reminded us last week that the Israelites had the question, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? I mean, can God provide for us in the place that we are? And the answer is yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And he prepares a table, and by preparing a table, he says, I am here, which is incredible because if you have any knowledge of the Bible or any history of church at all, you know that there was a time when God was walking with man in the garden, and things were perfect. And then sin entered, and rebellion came, brokenness happened. And God exited from that place and no longer walked with man. And so since that time, we've been longing for God to be a part of us, be here with us. And so he said, I will send my son, the Emmanuel, God with us, to come and be with you, to set a table before you, to offer up his body as a sacrifice for you, to break his body so that you can be a part of a relationship with God. To offer up salvation through his blood so that we can have entrance into God's presence so that we can live with him forever. So, Psalm 23 reminds us of that. We read it last week talking about, you guys know this, uh, you've probably heard it, but the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. We think about that phrase from the beginning of Psalm 23 and begin thinking about, yeah, but Lord, I do want. There are a number of other things that I find satisfaction in. But David, as he wrote those words, saw that God is a good shepherd. And so because he's the goodest of them all, he's the great shepherd, because of that, I shall not want. And that's where we come today. We come to the table. It's welcoming to all. It's saying God is here. He's among us. He can spread a table in the wilderness, though it doesn't seem like he can. We're going to learn today uh, or be reminded today that um, manna comes from heaven. That God provided bread from heaven, rained down bread from heaven and provided for the table in the wilderness, provided for the Israelites, the bread of life. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are a good shepherd, that you're the greatest shepherd, God. And thank you that in you we can find ultimate satisfaction that all our wants and our desires can be found in you. So today, God, as we talk about Christ being the bread of life, remind us what it means when David said that you make us lie down in green pastures. Remind us, God, that only satisfaction comes from you. God, will you fill us with the bread of life this morning through your word? Will you help us to see our need for you, our desperation for you? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My assumption is this, that it's been a long time since you've been extremely, extremely hungry. My assumption is is that at some point last week you ate something. You had some kind of meal provided for you in some form or fashion. Maybe it wasn't the greatest. We joke a lot at our house. Uh, Growing up I had a lot of spaghetti. And I say that spaghetti is my least favorite meal. Yet we had spaghetti last night but it still filled me it still was a meal that I'm very thankful of in our context in our culture that we have we're not super familiar with the desperation for food I mean we might look at somebody asking for a handout a panhandler someone with a sign on the side of the road that says I'm homeless and hungry please feed me we might look at them and judge them we might think are they really hungry well they don't look hungry to me we look at hunger as something to be looked down upon. But as Reese just read, the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So how in our context, how in our Western culture, how in our lack of desperation, our lack of hunger, our lack of thirstiness, how do we preach a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? When we feel like we've already been filled with everything that we need. How do you preach that? I mean, I'm looking out here now, I'm looking at your faces, and you don't look hungry. (laughs) I'm not saying for food. I mean, also, let's think about righteousness. I mean, just how hungry are we for for righteousness? I mean, Christ is putting out something here for us to, to think about when he prepares a table for us. He sets the bread on the table, and he says, this is the bread of life. John chapter 6, we'll get to here in a moment. But he says, this is the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I want you to be satisfied in me and me alone. Yeah, but Lord, I understand that, and I see what the Bible is saying. And I've heard it from traditions of old. I know the correct things to say. I know that I'm supposed to be satisfied in Christ and Christ alone. But I'll be satisfied with him on Sunday, and the rest of the week, I'll be satisfied in a number of other things. I'll begin searching and running after and pursuing things of this world instead of pursuing Christ and Christ alone. So when Christ says, come and sit at the table with me, and he invites all to come and sit at the table with him, and then he says, let me prepare the meal for you. And he says, I'm going to prepare a meal that's going to satisfy you forever. How many of us start looking elsewhere For food. How many of us start looking elsewhere for satisfaction? In Exodus chapter 16, this is where we're originally be hearing about the bread of life. About God providing for a group of people who are wandering in a broken world. Wandering in a wilderness where food is scarce. Wandering in a wilderness where water is not to be found. God, will you provide for us? Will you set a table for us in the presence of this... Wilderness Can you set a table for me In the presence of my enemies Can you provide for my every every need So Exodus chapter 16 says this Verse 1 They set out from Elam And all the congregation of the people of Israel Came to the wilderness of Sin Which is between Elam and Sinai On the fifteenth day of the second month After they had departed the land of Egypt Where I remind you I want you to remember The land of Egypt that they departed was a land of slavery. So God freed them from slavery. I mean, John and I were talking about living in the home of the free. Like We're familiar with freedom. We're not so familiar with slavery. Yet we still try and enslave ourselves to things of this world. The Israelites. The land that they parted, the land of Egypt, where they were set free. Verse 2 says this, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. So, so could we have just have died in slavery, even if it was by the Lord's hand like he slaughtered others? Could we have just died by the hand of the Lord within slavery? Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. See, they were living in slavery, but their bellies were full. And so they felt satisfied. They felt like their life met all its purpose. They felt like because their bellies were full, obviously their life was full. But God saw differently because he's all-knowing. He saw that there was more to life than just the meat pots and the bread that Egypt had to offer offer there's more to life than the slavery that was given to them in Egypt there was more to life than that god has a greater purpose and a greater plan for the israelites life and our life and so to be filled by the meat pots and the bread that egypt and slavery can offer they're never going to be satisfied oh would that we had died by the hand of the lord in the land of egypt when we set At the table, right? We sat by the meat pots and we ate bread to the full for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Think a moment again. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. So God brought the Israelites to a place of hunger. Why? (laughs) So that their attention, so that their gaze would be upon the Lord. Because see, in this world, so often when we're satisfied with it, we no longer fix our attention upon the one who provides. We no, we no longer fix our attention or our heart's affection upon Christ because we're being filled with the things of this world. Oh, just let me sit by the meat pots and the bread. Let me be filled in slavery because I feel good because my belly is full. And believe me, I, I, I've been to that moment. There's a place in Albuquerque called Wex, and they offer French toast, and they call it French toast, and they call it full belly toast. And there's a reason why they call it full belly toast. And you can live on the full belly toast for at least until the next meal. <laughs> but your belly will be filled, and you'll think for a moment, satisfaction has come my way. My belly is full. I don't need anything else. And yet God would lead us to a place of hunger, so that our eyes will be fixed upon Him. He brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out a day's portion and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So I see their hunger, the Lord is saying, I see their hunger, and so I'm going to provide for their hunger. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to do it supernaturally. I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, and they're going to gather, and I'm going to see if they're going to fix their eyes upon me. And I'm going to see if they will see that I am the one that's providing bread of life for them. So I'm going to test them in this. They're hungry, they're thirsty, and I'm going to provide for them and so uh, verse 6 says so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord now unfortunately in church world what we've done is we've taken the last part of that sentence we've said he has heard your grumbling against the Lord and we think that that's the solution to the problem If we grumble more, maybe the Lord will provide for us. Lord, can you hear my grumbling? Can you hear my complaining? But the whole purpose of this verse, the whole purpose of the thought behind verses 6 and 7 is that our eyes, their eyes will be fixed upon the one who's providing for them. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord. I mean, we jump to the New Testament. We hear Jesus giving us the example prayer. And he says, give us this day our daily bread he's referencing this moment. Lord, daily would you provide for us. Daily, when I wake up, when I see your glory being revealed to me through your son, Jesus, so that I know that I can still be satisfied in Jesus. No amens? Again, two weeks in a row, something good said and nobody's still going to... I mean, Bill's even back. I would have thought he would have said amen. At evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. I mean, let's be real. Where do you get your groceries? Now Brad's here this morning, so make sure you say it's at Bob's Thriftway. But where do you get your groceries? I mean, have you ever been desperate, so desperate enough that you're thinking, is the Lord going to provide for us? I mean, in our context, in our culture, most of us can go down to the food pantry at least, and there's food there ready for us. Have we ever been so hungry that we would say, God, rain down from us? I mean, this is the hunger and the thirst for righteousness that Jesus is talking about, that we are so desperate for Jesus, so desperate for him, that all we want is him. And so in that, we would be satisfied in him and him alone. Verse eight says this, chapter sixteen, and Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the fool, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. I mean Moses is saying, You're wanting us to provide for you? Like you're thinking that you're gonna find satisfaction in Moses and Aaron, or your spouse, or your employer, or your kids, or your grandkids, or your future spouse. That's who I'm going to find satisfaction in, right? Moses is saying, Who are we? We are no one. Look, fix your eyes to the Lord. Set your gaze upon Him. Be filled from Him. You will dis- be disappointed. I mean, y- y- you already have, I'm sure. But you know that if you put all your eggs in one basket and you think that I'm going to be the greatest pastor, second greatest pastor you've ever had, it's not going to be the case. Because I'm human. I'm not Moses, I'm not Aaron, that's for sure, and I'm for sure far from being Jesus. But if I teach you and you teach me to fix our gaze upon Christ, who can actually satisfy us and fill us, oh, we'll be satisfied, let me tell you how long, forever. Not just for a moment, not just for 5 or 6 or 35 years, but instead for eternity, when we fix our gaze and our affection and our satisfaction in Christ and Christ alone. Verse 9 says this, Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. He said it again. These people, these Israelites, they were a lot like Americans. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. They looked towards the wilderness, where they knew that nothing good was going to come from. I, humanly they, they understood That nothing good could come from the wilderness From the wilderness is hunger From the wilderness is thirst Maybe some of them Would have turned around and looked back to Egypt And said I know God's going to provide for me And if he's going to provide for me It's probably going to be in that direction Because the meat pots And the bread that filled us Is back there in Egypt I remember a table set back there in Egypt So some of them I'm just assuming because I'm sure there was a mat there, just turned to look for a moment back to Egypt and said, but there's tables already set back there. And God's saying, let me reveal my glory to you. Let me set a table in the wilderness and provide something for you that will satisfy you for life and the afterlife. Let me satisfy you with something for eternity. The whole, the whole congregation looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. They looked to the place that it shouldn't have been coming from. They looked to the place and saw God. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel, and so say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. When will they know? When they eat what God has provided for them and they are satisfied in God. The church needs that more than ever. The world needs that more than ever. We, the Thackersons, I, the leader of the Thackersons, need that more than ever. Oh God that I might see that you are providing for me and that I am dining at the table that you have set. And I know that you are God and no one else. I am not. Nothing from this world is. God, you are God. And you are the one that's providing for me. Just a couple of statements I wanted to, uh, thought about when, this, when I'm reading this. We cannot make the bread. The Israelites couldn't make it. It came from heaven. They were hungry. They didn't look around one day and say, I'm hungry. And so they picked up the dirt and they began making it. They didn't make it. They couldn't purchase it. There wasn't a store like Bob's, a great store in the wilderness to purchase the bread. They couldn't purchase it. And as we're about to read, they couldn't save it for their own, for the next day necessarily. So they couldn't make it. They couldn't purchase it. And they couldn't save it. But what we'll see later is God is the one who makes it. And he also, the bread of life, makes you. John 1 tells us that. He makes you and I, the bread of life does. The bread of life that we cannot purchase, we think that we can earn or purchase our salvation, cannot be done. Instead, it's provided through the bread of life. So the bread of life purchases you. And we cannot save ourselves or save the bread of life, but the bread of life can save us. Listen to this, verse 13. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, verse 14, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, manna, or what is it? You know why they said manna, or translated into English, what is it? Because they'd never seen it before. They were unfamiliar with it. It was something new to them. Think about it, as John referenced earlier. This king who comes in on Palm Sunday, riding on this donkey, who the Israelites thought, were going to be this, thought was going to be this conquering king to put people in their place, instead comes in as a suffering servant. Wait, wait a minute, what is this suffering servant? And Christ would say things like, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, this suffering servant, not this conquering king, though he is, but this suffering servant comes in saying, I'm the bread of life. Eat of me and you'll be satisfied forever. What What is your teacher teaching you? He's talking about his body being broken and his blood being spilled out and you're going to drink of his blood and eat of his body. This doesn't make any sense. What is this that you're talking about? <laughs> it's Grace, it's love, it's life eternal. That's what it is. When these people see this, the Israelites, when they see this the next morning, they say, well, what is it? It's manna. We don't understand what it is. It's it's not from us. It's not something that we've created or we've made. It's not something that we've purchased. And as we see, it's not something that we can save. They said, verse 15, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. And you shall, you shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that, are, that each of you has in his tent. And when the people of Israel did so, they gathered some more and some less. But when they had measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses because, because they're human, right? But they did not listen to Moses. Some of them left part of it to the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. So think about this for a moment. Here is God providing something brand new something life-sustaining, something they've never seen ever. They didn't even have a name for it. And Moses says, this is the bread that God has provided for you. Let's just call it manna. What is it? No, let's call it the Messiah. Let's call it the bread of life. Let's call it Emmanuel, God with us. The one who's going to give us life here and forever with God in eternity. And so they began to say, okay, we've been hungry, we've been hungry, we've been hungry. God has been testing us. We're going to gather like he says, but we're not going to follow his instructions because we still know what's best. It's good. It's good stuff, but we still know what's best. So we're not going to follow God's commandments perfectly. We're not going to obey his instructions like he's given us instructions. And what happens? They tried to save it. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank, and Moses was angry with them. Uh, Lamentations. God, your mercies are new every morning for us. Jesus, Uh, (laughs) give us this day our daily bread. We don't have a God. Please catch this. We don't have a God who wants to save you at seven and never see you again until heaven. Come on, somebody say amen. That was even a rap. I'll say it again so you catch it, okay? We don't have a God who wants to save you at 7 and then see you again in heaven. Instead, thank you, we have a God who wants to save you at 7 or 77 or 27 and use you your entire life. He wants to daily walk with you. Give us this day our daily bread. He wants to be your God every day. Not tomorrow or when it's convenient or yesterday when it was awesome, but instead he wants to be your God every day. We cannot make the bread. We cannot purchase the bread. We cannot save the bread. Instead, it saves us. And and by the way, the tempter, the accuser, the one that's against you, our adversary, Satan, when he tempted Christ in the wilderness, hey, you hungry? Well, just tell those, well, what does he say? Just tell those rocks there uh, to turn into bread and you'll be filled. What does Jesus say from Deuteronomy chapter 8? Oh, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then John tells us that what? Jesus is the word that comes from the Lord. Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Well, Who is that? It's Jesus. In John chapter 6, which we're about to get to. Jesus is the bread of life. Who should we be satisfied in? Jesus and Jesus alone. Can we find satisfaction in anything else? According to the Bible, you cannot. According to Christ you cannot. According to Moses and Aaron you cannot. Verse twenty but we'll read it again. But they did not listen to Moses, and some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and it stank, and Moses was angry with them, and morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot it melted. Now here's where it gets really interesting, I think. And on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread. Now, don't you just remember? That when they gathered it daily, if they tried to save it, it was going to ruin. It wasn't going to be good for the next day. But God commanded something different. And he said on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. How many of you are familiar with the Sabbath? Well, well we just don't have enough days in the week. Well, how many of you are familiar with rest? Well, I just I don't have time to rest right now because, uh, because I've got all these other things going on, so I don't have time to step back and rest, step back and take a break. And, and plus, by the way, Like like the world that we live in, the two-income society that we live in, if I take a break, like I may not be able to eat the next day. And so I've got to work and I've got to do this and this and this because that's the only way that I'm ever going to be provided for. I mean, that's what our culture has taught us. Work and work and work and then maybe at the end of your life you've worked enough and then you'll be satisfied in your work. And we start guessing and second guessing and doubting and scheming. Well, let's come up with different ways because here's the thing. If God wants us to save up for tomorrow, we've been trying to save this stuff up and it ain't working. I mean, we've been trying to gather extra and save it for ourselves, but it's not working. Is he truly going to be able to provide? Because honestly, I was hungry just a few weeks ago. I was hungry just a few days ago and I don't want to be hungry like that again. So can God really do what he says he's going to do? Can he really make this stuff last an extra day on this specific day? God proves faithful. He proves that he's where He's there with them. He proves that this bread of life that's coming down from heaven, that they didn't even know what it was, is from him, and that his glory is revealed every morning, even on the Sabbath morning when we would tend to say, "Ah, I've got to keep doing what I'm doing because maybe these things are God instead of God. It's an interesting thought that happens here, an interesting scenario that plays out, an interesting part of church history that plays out here. The bread is presented to them daily. The goal of the bread is to see the glory of God and our eyes would be fixed upon him. Turn to John chapter 6. And Jesus kind of begins to label himself as the bread of life. Interesting though, John chapter 6 uh, when we get to the statement where Christ calls himself the bread of life, moments before that he had just fed a large group of people. He would fed them with bread and fish, things that were pretty common. Until John earlier I was like, "I'm so thankful that this happened at this time and not today, because in our context today in southeastern New Mexico, if there was a large gathering of people." And there was a powerful speaker, healer, teacher, phenomenal man who walks on water and turns water into wine. So we got to show up for that party. I mean, we we got this great, I mean, there's a crowd of us coming. And in our context, someone in my house is going to say, how long do you think this is going to last? Should we bring snacks? (laughs) Is it going to last longer than snack time? Because if it's longer than snack time, should we just pack a sandwich? Or, Or two, if we're really hungry. In our context, I think instead of just one person having a snack bag or a lunch, I think most of us would provide for our own needs. Hey, I, 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 got, I got this under control. In fact, I got a gift card for my birthday, so I'm going to go down to uh, Taco Bell or whatever, or the new burrito stand. What? I got this under. I'll, I'll be back. I'm going to provide for my. Own. Hey. You're a great speaker, great teacher. Your signs and your wonders are phenomenal, and I'm starting to believe them. But can you truly provide for my hunger and fill my belly? I'm not sure about that. And so, because of that, I'm going to provide for my own, my own self. And then Jesus goes on, and he teaches greatly, and he says in verse 22, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, because Jesus walked on water supernaturally. <laughs> And uh, verse 23, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And so when the crowds saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Why were they seeking Jesus? Because they'd seen his signs. They'd seen his wonders. They'd seen his mighty deeds and their bellies had been filled. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, teacher, rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Because you were satisfied, is what Jesus is saying. And I'm sure people were, were redneck like me and say, ain't that the truth? That was some good bread. And those fish sticks were awesome. And if you got more of that, I'm, I'm here with you all day. They, Jesus said, but because you ate your fill of the loaves, you were satisfied with who Christ is. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, so what, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Obviously, it's like, okay, we want this, but what should we be doing? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're saying that what we should do is believe in the bread of life? So you're saying that what we should do is believe in the Son of Man? So you're saying that what we should be doing is trusting in Jesus? Yeah, well, remember the Israelites? When they woke up in the morning and they did nothing? They didn't purchase it. They didn't make it. They didn't save it. I mean, they didn't do anything. What? God provided for them a way. Provided a table for them in the wilderness and set it with the bread of life. Oh man, that's why Hosanna is saying. That's why there's a triumphal entry. That's why we get to look at it on this side and sing the wonderful cross. Because we see the bread of life providing life. We see the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep. We see him providing a way, leading us out of the wilderness and providing us a way to lay down in green pastures. Which, by the way, just for a moment, this is almost like a real sermon. The Greek word to fill or to feed or to satisfy has roots in it. Tortozo is the word that means the place of green grass. So so when he says, I make you lie down as a good shepherd in a place of green grass or the green pastures, what is he saying? I want you to be filled and satisfied with me. I'm going to make you lay down in a place that you see only I can provide for you. I'm setting the table. The bread of life is here. Believe in me. And he goes on to say, I think this is huge. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. And all of the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The bread of life set at the table... Christ, welcome you, saying, I've laid down my life for you. Believe in me. Set your focus upon me. Call me Lord. Sit at the table and eat of the bread of life that can satisfy you, not just for a moment, but can satisfy you forever. Let's pray. God, thank you that the bread of life, also known as the Good Shepherd, also known as the I Am, also known as